Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Fireside Church Podcast. Fireside is a new church on the North Shore of Massachusetts. Our mission is to love God, love others, and help others do the same. For more information, check us out at firesidechurch.org. Hey, how are you guys all doing out there online? Uh, My name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors at Fireside Church. We are a church plant that will be celebrating six months, uh, June 2nd, and we're excited. Um, If you've been trying to keep up with our podcasts, uh, we've been uh, transitioning to a new sound system. And in our transition, we have been unable to capture some of our messages on Sunday. So I am re-recording this after the fact, this is Monday, the day after Sunday, but I just want to say if, if you're listening and you weren't there or you're living somewhere else, you know, know that we love you and we want to get to know you. And so just don't just listen to these podcasts as a way of doing church, you know, come and check us out, be a part of our community because church is not the building, it's the people. And we just want to get to know you and love you. But we are in a series called Storms and Squalls. And I was thinking about this series the other day when we were coming back from Maryland. Uh, This past weekend, my wife and I and my three kids, we were uh, at Kate's sister's wedding. My wife's uh, Kate's sister's wedding. And great time, long drive. And on our way home, it was about... You know, without kids, it's like seven hours. With kids, it's about 10 hours. And Kate is pregnant, and so she just wasn't feeling well, and she starts throwing up. Like, just pretty much every hour she's throwing up. And we were in a physical storm the whole entire time. And my wipers were never off the high setting. And it was just one of those things where we were just like, I cannot wait to get out of this physical storm, but also the emotional storm that is happening inside our minivan. But I had this ETA. I had the GPS on my phone and I could see that this was coming to an end. And at first it was seven and a half and then eight, eight and a half hours, nine hours and 10 and a half hours later, we arrived to our house and I knew that we were going to get out of this van. We were going to get out of this specific storm. We had an ETA and I was thinking about this. Don't you wish that whatever storm you're going through, whatever life storm you're in right now, you had an ETA? That God was telling you that it will be over on this day at this time. That this is when you will make the other side. This is when the storm will pass. And I was just thinking about how amazing would that be. But we don't have that luxury. So we just are reliant on trusting in God. When my daughter Ellie was diagnosed with cancer a little over two years ago, I got this email from my professor. I was in seminary and I was taking a class and I emailed him to let him know that I'm going to miss some classes. And he responded with this one sentence and I'll never forget it. And all he said was, sometimes it feels like Jesus is asleep in your boat. Do you ever feel like that? Whatever storm you're in. That you feel like Jesus just doesn't care or that he's not aware of the situation. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in Matthew 8 is Jesus asleep in the boat during a storm. A couple months after I got that email, I was listening to a sermon by a pastor who went through his own storm. And this was the first time he had preached since that storm. His name was Perry Noble. And he preached on a man named Joseph, who hopefully we're going to talk about in this fall. And he said, when it rains... Remember, God reigns. 
When it feels like you're in a storm and you're getting wet and you're getting the waves are pounding, you remember that God is on the throne and in control and he reigns. Last week, Steve talked about Jesus walking on water and Peter jumping out of the boat to come to him. His 12 disciples were in a boat and Jesus said, go to the other side and and they get on a boat and they go on the other side and a storm comes out of nowhere and Jesus walks to them and they're freaking out and they see him and Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come to you. So Jesus says, come. And Peter is on the water. He's doing the impossible. And then all of a sudden he realizes what's happening and he loses his focus. His focus was on Jesus and now it's on the surrounding storm. And he's looking at the waves and he's looking at the wind and he's looking at the fact that he's walking on water and thinking this is impossible. And he starts to sink. And Jesus reaches in the water and pulls him out. And isn't that true that so many times we lose our focus on Jesus and we start focusing on the thing that's tormenting us, the thing that's causing us to have a life storm. And even when we lose our focus on Jesus, Jesus never loses his focus on us. That he will reach in and he will save us when we feel like drowning. I have this feeling all the time and in, in the many storms that I've been in throughout my life, it's when I stop focusing on Jesus and trusting in Him. And when I start looking at the situation that I'm in, it almost feels like you're drowning and that you can't even uh, survive because it just becomes overwhelming. But yet Jesus still comes to a rescue. And then the week before, Kate talked about how we can build a solid foundation. And Jesus had taken his 12 disciples and these 12 men that he's going to build the church on. And he's taken these 12 men that he's going to use as leaders. And he's going to live with them for three years and teach them and show them. And he has just called them. And he goes up to a mountain and he sits them down. And it's called Sermon of a Mount. And he sits them down and he's like, all right, I want to tell you guys some things, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow me, what I want you guys to do. And he talks about how to pray. He talks about not worrying. And then he says, if you hear these things and you put them into practice, not just that if you hear them, but if you hear them and put them into practice, you will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. But if you don't, you will be like a man who builds his house on the sand. And both houses will be built And he says, when the rains come, when the winds come, when the storms of life come, the house built on the sand will crumble. But the house built on the foundation that's laid on Jesus and living a life for Jesus will be standing. So the disciples heard the word. After that, they go down. They go to Peter, who was like the head disciple, and his mother-in-law was sick. And Jesus miraculously heals his mother-in-law. And then he heals many others. So then they saw him perform miracles on other people. They've heard him teach. They saw him heal. And now they are in a boat. And we're going to be in Matthew 8. And we're going to start in verse 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, and Mark also has the same account of this. Mark says, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. 
This word furious in Greek is the same word that they use for earthquakes and shaking. It's all of a sudden. And don't, don't you feel like that? Sometimes you're just sailing along in life. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a storm hits in your life. You lose your job. You have a relationship issue. You have a health issue. You have a financial issue. You name it. Usually there's no warning. Usually they come out of nowhere. See, the boats that these disciples were in was usually a sailboat. But when the winds come, they would drop the sails and they'll stop rowing. The very thing that they needed to move could be the very thing, too much of it could be devastating. And that's for another sermon. But right now we're talking about Matthew 8 and they're rowing and they're rowing. The Sea of Galilee is the same sea that Jesus walked on the water. This is before Jesus walked on water. And these are, uh, it's a sea that's the lowest fresh water lake in the world. It's about seven miles by 13 miles and surrounded by mountains. And the winds will go through the valleys and it is notoriously known for storms to come out of nowhere just by its geography. It's 1992, a, a storm almost wiped out a village on the Sea of Galilee. Waves can get up to 10 feet. I mean, this is a small lake. 10 feet waves in a small wake, we, uh, lake is kind of like crazy. I've never been to the Sea of Galilee, but it reminds me of a lake that I, that I visited in, in Guatemala called Lake Atiglan. And it's a beautiful lake. It's surrounded by three volcanoes. The ironic part about this lake is that the villages around the lake are named after the apostles. And so I was staying on one side and we were going to Thomas across the lake. And on our way back, a storm out of nowhere, thunder, lightning, rain, wind just came. And we were in a boat that only had about 12 people, had a little metal roof. And a guy was steering the boat by the motor itself. He just cuts the motor and we just are floating there, waiting the storm out because he couldn't see in front of him. And I'm freaking out. We're in a boat that has a metal roof with lightning. We need to get to shore. And I was so scared. And I feel like these where the disciples were feeling the same way. They are freaking out. It is scary. And waves are coming, crashing on them. And where is Jesus? And Matthew says, but Jesus was sleeping. Mark says that Jesus was sleeping at the stern on a cushion. And I love that he gives this detail because it's not that he's just sleeping. It's that he's like this image of him being comfortable and sound asleep. Sound asleep. That he's sleeping in the midst of the storm. So the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Mark says to say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They make a statement. They have not yet realized that Jesus was all powerful, that he was the son of God. They knew he was special. They knew he was unique. They knew he was worth following and giving up their careers to learn from him. But they didn't realize the power that he possessed. And I think so many times we do the same thing, that we limit the power of God. Maybe the disciples are saying, Jesus, we could use some help here. Help us row. Help us get to shore. I mean, come on. Another person would help. We are exhausted. Why are you sleeping? Why are you being lazy? Why don't you care? Come on, Jesus. Get up. And they start putting them in human limitations. And we know that this storm was bad because Peter, Andrew, 
James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were fishermen. And not only were they fishermen, but they had multiple boats. They had a fishing business. And they were fishermen on this very lake, the Sea of Galilee. They had mastered the art of fishing. They've had success. And, and later on, when Jesus is crucified, they go back to fishing. This is what they know. This is what they're good at. And don't you think it's interesting that the things that they've mastered is a thing that God tests them in? When you think this is true of life, is the things that we feel so confident in, the things that we have mastered, whether it's a job, whether it's a sport, whether it's like some kind of personality, whether how, whatever it may be, that maybe it's because we've gotten so good at it that we start giving ourselves credit and stop uh, realizing that it's Jesus that has given us the talents that have made us so good in it. And then Jesus said, well, you, th- you think this is because you are so talented, because you work so hard? And often, those are the very things that he puts us to the test. So they're freaking out. And they wake Jesus up. And this is what Jesus replies. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And he's saying this as the waves are crashing, as he's getting wet, as the wind is pelting them. And the response could be like, Jesus, what do you mean why are we afraid? This is a terrifying situation. We are going to drown. That is a moronic question. Why am I afraid? Well, look around, Jesus. This is not really pleasant. This is really hard. This is scary. I'm in a scary situation. Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. He stands up and it's almost like silence. And the thing that was tormenting them had ceased. This is the authority of our Jesus. I wish as a parent I had this authority over my kids. My wife grew up in Kenya as a missionary, and we would we actually met in Kenya. And so when we're in Kenya, I just admire the parents' authority over the kids. They say something in Swahili. I don't know what they're saying, but I need to learn it because they will say it. And I don't want to even attempt to say it, but it's a blah, blah, And all of a sudden, the kids will just stop whatever they were doing, and they will completely obey their parents, and they will do whatever the parent asks. And I'm like, what are you saying? How can I learn this? See, for me, when my three-year-old Blake, when he picks up like a stick in the backyard, and this happened the other day, I'm like, Blake, stop hitting the chickens with a stick. And he looks at me and he continues to do it almost as if I'm like, you know, like playing with him or something. And so I start counting. Have you ever done this? If you're a parent, have you ever done this? And I start saying one, two, three, and he keeps doing it. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to count to 10, nine, ten. I'm going to go backwards, nine, eight. And then I get so mad because he's not listening. So I start going after him and he runs away giggling and it's infuriating. It's like, I have no authority. See, Jesus is not like this. He is complete authority. He's not looking at the winds and the storms and said, all right, winds, all right, storm, all right, nature. I'm going to count to three and we're going to calm down here a little bit. One, two, three. All right, all right, all right. All right, nine, ten. No, no, he has complete authority over the things that are causing us the most distress. And all he says is stand up and he rebukes it and it says silence and it is calm. That is the Jesus that we serve. Jesus is calm in the storm because he has the ability to calm the storm. And the men 
in verse 27, were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What would it take for you, something in your life for you get to get to the situation where you ask that question? Who is this that can cause my situation to be calm? And my hope is that you will come to an understanding that it's Jesus. Later, he is on the boat again in another storm. He walks out to them. And Peter, as we talked about earlier, says at the very end, he says, truly, you are the son of God. See, it's a process. And Jesus is unveiling who he is. He had taught them. He had healed their loved ones. But a But it wasn't until their lives were at stake that their misery, that they were uncomfortable is when they started asking the question, who is this? And then when another storm came, that's when they declared who he was. I think that God throws puts us in storms and with each storm, we learn a little bit more about who he is. And he'll equip us for the next storm and the next storm and the next storm. And every storm, we will gain more and more confidence. See, I wonder if Jesus' silence is to build our confidence. I wonder if he hesitates so we will learn to trust him. A couple of days ago, we were at a hotel on our way to Baltimore for my, uh, my sister-in-law's wedding. And we stayed at a hotel and I took the kids swimming. And I'm teaching them how to swim, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and Blake, who's got a little like uh, swim vest on. And we go to the deep end. It's about five feet. And I'm with Ellie. And Ellie's doing a great job. She can tread water for almost a minute and she can swim a good 10, 15 feet. And as I'm teaching her, she's panicking a little bit. And, and I'm hesitant to like save her just yet. And she's grasping for me, but she's still afloat and she's swallowing water. And then finally I grab in and she got so mad at me. It's like, Dad, why didn't you save me? Did you see that I was drowning? The whole time I was right there. And it wasn't because I couldn't save her. It's because I was trying to teach her how to swim. I'm building her confidence. A couple of years ago, Emmy fell in the one end of the pool. We were all on one side and Kate's friend jumps in and swims and saves her. And she's bobbing up and down. And when that happened, I'm like, I need to teach my kids to swim. So if they fall in a pool or a lake or a pond or whatever, they can just swim to shore. And it's building confidence. And I think Jesus is equipping us in the same way. And you can say, Jesus, why did the storm come in the beginning? Jesus, why did you fall asleep? Did you see how much we were struggling? You should have just been more aware and woke up and silenced it. It would have made us a a lot more comfortable if you didn't a lot more sooner but would they have gone to the point where they would ask who is this when you feel like god doesn't care know that he's there and i believe that when storms come that god has chosen us for them Next week, we're going to talk about Jonah, and sometimes we cause our own storms by our bad decisions. 
But I believe in some storms we are chosen for them because he wants to do something great through us and in us. And he's using us and he's sharpening us and he's trying to build our confidence and our faith in him. See, I've been a soccer coach for many years, or I was, and I was the hardest on the kids that had the most potential. The kids that were just... um, you you knew had something special. I had this one kid, he was from Guatemala, and he was just an amazing soccer player, best on our team, probably best in the conference. And I just would push him and push him because I knew that he could bring us a championship. I know that he could make everyone else around him better to the point where I had other players say, coach, why are you always pushing him? He's already our best player. And it's like, because I see so much in him that I see great things in him. And I believe God does the same thing with us that he is doing great things in us. And what may seem as misery is really something that he is saying, hey, I want to do great things with you. So I'm going to show you some things about me and I'm going to reveal who I am to you. And it's not because that I'm trying to, um, because I don't like you, that I'm going to cause you to suffer. And it's actually the opposite. I love you. So I'll let you suffer in order to build your confidence in me. God is up to something great. And in the midst of these storms, remember he is in the boat with you, that he is getting wet with you, that the waves that we are being tormented are tormenting him. And it's not a matter of a lack of ability or a power. It has nothing to do with that, that God is up to something great in your life. And his silence is to build our confidence in him. So whatever you're going through, my prayer is this, that you will know that this storm will end and it, it may not end how you want it to end. You may end up in another destination, but you will get through and keep your focus on Jesus and understand that he's getting wet with you and know that he has the power to calm the very thing that's causing you distress. Do not limit the power of Jesus. Know that he has so much power where you can say, who is this man that even the seas obey him? And our declaration today at Fireside Church is that this man is Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came to save us on the cross from our sins, that we may live in life to the full on earth and live with him in heaven for eternity, that he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, and he's up to something great in your life. He wants to use you, he wants to go through you to do big and great things. And yes, that may mean that we are going to go through storms. Yes, it may mean that we are going to suffer. And yes, it may feel like he's asleep on the stern of the boat. But don't doubt, don't ever doubt that he's up to something great in your life.